get my, I would say, life's purpose done without a PhD. So it was pure ego and I killed it. To run around with a little doctor in front of you, that was ego. And I'm, you know, very transparent and honest enough to, to know that and to kill that idea. Hey everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, a show about the local color that makes Baltimore great. Today's guest is Shavise Glasgow, and she's founder of the Flavor and Soul food blog. Shavise is from a notorious city in the Midwest, and I caught myself doing to her what other people do to me when I travel and tell them I'm from Baltimore. To be honest, it was a little embarrassing. We talk about how her hometown lost its way, self-doubt when starting Flavor and Soul, and how she had to kill her ego so she could be content with life. Stay tuned. After dozens of interviews, you don't get too surprised when people tell you where they're from. Chavise, however, threw a curveball, and before I knew it, I had the wired her. You know, when you tell someone not from Baltimore, you're from Baltimore, and the conversation steers into that direction. Where, where are you from? Are you from Baltimore? No, not at all. Where? I am from Gary, Indiana. You're from Gary, oh, Indiana? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is everything they say about it true? What, what, what is everything they say about it? <laughs> um... <laughs> I listened to a rapper from Gary, Indiana. His name is Freddie. Freddie, Gibbs. yeah, yeah. Um, Freddie Gibbs is a rapper out of Gary, Indiana, and his music paints a very desolate and unforgiving picture of the small blue collar town. I asked Chavise if Freddie gives an accurate portrayal of Gary. He got it right, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. If I go back home now and I look at some of the neighborhoods I used to live in, they were actually pretty rough, and my parents did a really good job in sheltering me. So I would say I had a pretty decent childhood, despite the fact that I lived like in a really bad neighborhood or lived in Section 8 apartments or things like that. I was pretty much sheltered between my family, my parents, my grandparents, that whole community. Like, my experience was a little different. That on top of the fact that I was a bookworm, you know, I really didn't go out in the streets to, to experience much. But looking back now and kind of going to those same neighborhoods, uh, what was left of them at the point, uh, but going back to those same neighborhoods now is is definitely different. And then when I actually look at like the history and kind of things that were going on while, while I was little, it was like, whoa, how did I like get past that? Gary, Indiana is a majority black city, and as Chavis explained, a lot of the families that lived there, their grandparents came up from the South during the Great Migration. Geographically, it's Midwest, but culture-wise, it's kind of Southern. Growing up, Chavis split her time between Indiana and Kansas. Even though her parents protected her from the bulk of violence in her hometown, there wasn't a lot of economic opportunity, and Chavis's parents wanted their daughter to go to a better school. The move to Kansas wasn't a good one for Chavis, but it provided life lessons that would come in handy. When I moved from Gary to Kansas, that was when I had my first real culture shock. Like, for me to be the only black person in class, that was huge. I didn't fit in. I'm from Indiana, they're from Kansas, so it's like Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, like, it was kind of all the same for them in terms of, like, the Midwest. Oh, okay. um, I think it was more of just, like, some of the microaggressions that I got growing up. And, and at that time, we, I wasn't like 14 and completely aware, like, oh, this is a microaggression that I'm experiencing. No, I just figured that I didn't fit in. She went back and forth between Kansas and Indiana for high school and graduated back home in Gary. For college, I actually went to the University of Northern Iowa, and that was a last-minute decision for scholarship purposes. I was supposed to go to Purdue for chemical engineering, Exactly. I love your facial expression. So I completely changed my mind because, you know, you're 18, you don't know what you're doing. And 
you and I said they were going to give me a full ride. So I'm like, okay, I'll take your full ride and, and go out there and deal with that. So like I said, that culture shock I had back in Kansas did me a huge favor in terms of, you know, in Iowa, by the time I went out there, I was ready to go. Um, so I focused on exercise physiology and health promotion. Not, yeah, exercise science, but same thing. And then for grad school, I went out to the University of Pittsburgh and focused more on exercise physiology from an obesity and chronic disease standpoint. So with that background, I didn't want to get trapped into the gym and fitness center scene. So I ended up applying for a job at um, Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. So I work at a weight management center. Okay. Um, I work with a doctor, a dietitian, a behavioral therapist. So I do that. And then also after I had my son, that's when I started teaching at Towson. And that's just like a nutrition and weight control class or even a sexuality class. So it's within the health, the health area. Working at the Weight Management Center for Chavis is tough, but pays off. For every difficult client, there's one that's motivated to change their lifestyle, and in turn, that client motivates others. When this person started, um, there was another person who had like reached their goal in the hallway, kind of you know, in the lobby, kind of talking about their successes, and they were really excited. And I saw this newcomer just kind of like observing them, but still, you know, pretty doubtful. She got started, and she started moving a little slow. But I can tell, like, at some point there was a switch. So there was at some point throughout the process when she decided to work on the emotional stuff and all the the stress, and really like taking it on that this is my life and this needs to happen. Um, the minute she made that switch and started reframing some of her thoughts, that's when she became successful. Chavis previously mentioned that she started teaching after the birth of her first son. Before Chavis went back to work, when she was on maternity leave is when she got the idea for Flavor and Soul. Although skeptical about blogs at first, Chavis really started Flavor and Soul because she was bored. I didn't have a hobby, so I used to just work and come home, work and come home. Um, and one of my, and I used to start, like I started taking pictures of food and I started cooking a little bit more and putting it on Facebook and I had a friend that's a journalist and she started nudging me about blogging. And back then my perspective of blogging was like, I don't really have the interest of telling you what kind of blueberry muffin I made today. Like that's stupid. I just thought of like blogs of being, as being really quirky yeah. and just like, you know, look, I made this casserole. Like I'm not interested in that. I was like, I'm the serious public health professional. I don't have time for it. Um, so I think it was just one of those days I ended up being bored at night. And I think I Googled a food blog and then like a couple of like the really big name food blogs popped up and I just like explored the website. And it was the minute I clicked on the website to look at what an actual good food blog, food blog looked like. And I was like, oh, I think I want to do this. And then, you know, you obviously go down that black hole of Pinterest and you type in food photography and it's over. At that moment is when, when I could see the beauty of food and how it could attract someone. That's when I got interested in it. So it wasn't even the health stuff. It was just more of like, yeah, you know, I can make food look good. I mean, I can make food taste good, but I also wanted it to look good as well. And then at that point, I got interested. But it took me like, I would say, a whole like almost two years after that to actually launch the blog. With Flavor and Soul, can you talk to me about like the three main categories mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. your posts uh, are, are filed under? Yeah. So for one, I have recipes. Um, either the recipes are something that I created from scratch or something that I was inspired by or an old family recipe that, you know, either I just did it according to their their classic recipe or I made a few twists on it. Um, and then local finds. So since I am fairly new to Baltimore, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to use the new word. But um, oh, so you're, you're, you're five years in. Yeah, I'm kind of in. Yeah, it's kind of a long term relationship with Baltimore. But the longer <laughs> I stay here, I like exploring new products. 
Um, so I'm really, I would say, a big fan of the makers of the city. So people who make things um, in the Baltimore area. And then also FNS favorites is mainly that same passion, but it's nationwide. I think I saw it, it, it was on your Instagram that you had a like a class on styling food yeah. or something. Can you talk a little bit about so, that? Back to that like original piece that made me attracted to the blogging process in the first place was the beauty of food and how a food can taste can taste great, but to make it attractive enough where you can catch someone's attention was huge. Um, and I actually didn't even come up with like a workshop idea. Like the rooster and hen store uh, sent me a DM like, "Hey, can you do a workshop?" I'm like, "Okay, sure." Rooster and hen oh, okay. country rooster store. Yeah. I think they're out in Cadenceville. Okay. Um, and they sent me a DM like, "Hey, can you do a workshop?" I'm like, um, "Sure, I can do a." workshop um and it was going to be for food styling so how to make your dish that you prepared beautiful uh beautiful enough and then like the the photography techniques that you need to take in order to make it you know also appear pretty well because we were working with like some chefs some some other food bloggers and some small businesses and how to take what they make and make it look beautiful enough where you can grab someone's attention when you look at Flavor and Soul now, you see a sleek website and an Instagram with beautiful photos of delicious food. The truth is, it took Chavis a long time to be confident enough to continue with her food blog. Like anyone looking to make a space for themselves, self-doubt crept in and started whispering in her ear. Can you talk about a period when trying to get Flavor and Soul off the ground where you kind of felt discouraged, like a dark time where you didn't think that it was going to work out? I just didn't know how I was going to fit it in. Um, like to your to your life? To or? my life. Okay. So new mom, um, I just started teaching at Towson. I was teaching three classes. I had like over 100 students. And, and they're like three different classes, like not even the same class. So it was like my first semester teaching three classes. And I was working at Johns Hopkins. So I had a lot going on. Um, I did enjoy cooking. Like it was like my refuge was the kitchen and exploring that way. Um, but I think for me, it was just a matter of a lot of self-doubt when, it, when it's time to start to start things. So, you know, the, oh, is the website going to look good? Or how do you even blog? Um, you know, what should the categories be? I remember, like, starting and stopping, starting and stopping with Squarespace, like, so many times it was pathetic. Like, looking back, it's like, that's a hot mess. And I didn't really get started until I just, like, turned my brain off and made the jump. And that's, you know, I've noticed that most of the big decisions that I made or needed to make came from those jumps. What has the journey been cultivating a successful food and lifestyle blog? It's been some ups and downs. And I would say the ups and downs are mainly just with me. Whatever happens in my head, it wasn't like I made a post and it was a hot mess and no one cared about it. Um, But I would say it was more of uh, some self-doubt along the way, but also just exhaustion. So sometimes it would be like, your life could be so much easier if you weren't doing this blog. Like you could save so much money if you weren't paying for photography and like all of these special ingredients. Like just imagine all of the other things you could do instead of doing the blog. Um, and that thought would come in every now and then. Like, wow, if you weren't doing this blog, you can go and pursue a PhD. Like that teetering process back and forth um, happened to me very early on. And then now I say I'm at the phase of I learned enough about burnout to like catch myself before I go that route. So I'm definitely anti-burnout. So I would say the biggest issue is a combination of self-doubt, self-doubt, like, you know, there are a million food bloggers out there. Like, why am I even doing this? And then also like, wow, your life could be so much easier if you would just like have a seat. 
We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we continue our conversation with Chavis. Back in a flash. Hey everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Before the break, my guest Chavis Glasgow talked about how self-doubt almost stopped her from starting her food blog, Flavor and Soul. With food blogs, it's assumed the author is an accomplished pastry chef or just someone who is creative in the kitchen. As Chavis explains, way before self-doubt came calling, other issues made starting a food blog seem like an unattainable dream. I grew up in a food desert, so, you know, eating ramen noodles and hamburger helper. And I mean, like it wasn't all like the woe is me. My life was in shambles. <laughs> you know, I did have some good food in the mix, but food wasn't a really big thing for me um, growing up. It was just a matter of like, OK, I'm hungry. I need to eat or I'm hungry like this tastes good. I'll eat it. But it was a lot of junk food. Gary is a food desert. So like in Baltimore, they have areas that are food deserts. Gary is a food desert. For people living in a food desert, food is looked at as a utility. If you're hungry, you gotta eat. Doesn't matter what you eat. Of course, that creates a cycle of unhealthy eating, which contributes to hypertension. But if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you already know that. On a positive note, since starting Flavor and Soul, Chavis started expressing herself much more in the kitchen. What's your favorite cuisine to cook? I have no favorite cuisine. It's a matter of where my spirit is at the moment. Most of my dishes tend to have a healthier spin. I mean, there are some sinful things in there. So I'm, there's not like a weight loss blog, so let's not even go that route. But <laughs> um, but it's just a matter of, you know, I'm really just big on flavor. So I have no romance or connection to a specific cuisine. Um, but I do enjoy anything that's flavorful. And as I transition to start cooking more healthy things on the blog that are friendly for my for my patients and my personal training clients, um, flavor is going to be a big thing. How to incorporate that, how to enjoy healthy food, but still enjoy the flavor as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. Chavis works at Johns Hopkins, runs Flavor and Soul, and she's a personal trainer? Yeah, that's how I got started, actually. So at like 18... Um, I went through a personal training program at school and I started training in college. And then it's been off and on just because I don't like the hustle and bustle of it. And it, it is can be it can be very exhausting. Like mm -hmm. if you have a client at 6 a.m. and then you're trying to run an errand and you have another client at 8 or somebody doesn't show up and then you're trying to collect. all It's just too much. So I do it occasionally. I kind of like incorporate it into uh, what I do at work. And then I also do like exercise prescriptions Exercise prescriptions are just that. A medical professional prescribes you a certain regimen or routine to help you in your journey to health. Chavis takes on clients as time permits, but don't expect to see her deadlifting at the next strong woman competition. I do like everything I can in order to stay physically fit, but it's just staying physically fit enough to pursue you know, other things to to be an impact for other people. With your work at Johns Hopkins, do you still have clients or see patients that kind of have pervasive ideas about talking about their feelings and stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I, end, I the problem, I think, with me is that I ask the I ask enough questions where people just start talking like about stuff I wasn't prepared to handle. Now, if things get really thick, there's a behavioral therapist right next door. So I'm like, okay, um, can you take them? Um, I would say across cultures, I'm noticing that a lot of people don't um, give enough, I would say, credit to the fact that their, their mental health, their emotions and their feelings, everything can impact that weight. So it's not just a matter of, okay, I'm going to give you a salad and, and have you go run. There are some layers in there. So... 
I do have a few people who are like ready and willing to have that conversation to do that work. And I have a, a few others that are just like not ready to open that door. Mm-hmm. And it does hinder them at some point. So, I mean, they can do great and then they'll hit a plateau. And then it's like, okay, we need to like dig a little deeper here. The mind is a powerful thing and healthcare professionals aren't immune to the tricky nature of that three pound wrinkled mass between our ears. After grad school, Chavis played with the idea of going for her PhD. Eventually, she abandoned it. I can get my, I would say, life's purpose done without a PhD. So it was pure ego, and I killed it. I just, like, I'm done. I mean, I played with it back and forth because it's hard to work at Johns Hopkins and not flirt with the idea of going a little bit higher in your academic, you know, education. So to step back and say, no, that was ego, like, to run around with a little doctor in front of you, that was ego. And I'm, you know, very transparent and honest enough to to know that and to kill that idea. Because, I mean, that was going to be a journey, both financially and, like, very taxing on the brain and the whole process to, to come out with that. And it's like, for what? Dude, why am I doing this? We always hear when you come in to work or come home to your loved one, you have to leave your ego at the door. For Chavis, she took her ego with her to the kitchen. If you want to learn more about Chavis and Flavor and Soul, you can find me at www.flavorandsoul, so flavor, A-N-D-soul.com. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. The same thing, Flavor and Soul. Today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V., Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. You can also like Local Color on Facebook. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on iTunes to get those push notifications when new episodes drop. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color.